This is 790 Astroline, presented by Carbach Brewing Company. Astroline. The official off-season show of your Houston Astros. Carlos Correa, the hero. Let's talk Astros baseball. Call 713-212-5790. That's 713-212-5790. It's the wall and it's gone. George Springer goes yard. Live from Pluckers Wing Bar on Shepherd. This is 790 Astro Line. Pluckers Wing Bar, big crowd here tonight. I'm Steve Sparks. Welcome to Pluckers Wing Bar on 1400 North Shepherd. You're listening to Astroline, brought to you by Carbot Brewing Company. And we've got a special guest tonight for our last show here at Pluckers this offseason. Five last shows of the offseason will take place in West Palm Beach. And it's Shane Reynolds, one of the all-time winningest pitchers in Astros history. First of all, thanks a lot for uh, joining us, Shane, tonight. It's great to see you. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This is awesome. It's uh, It's been a long time coming. I tried to get you to come on here about five or six weeks ago, and you're in a cast right now. You had wrist surgery just a few weeks ago. How's it going with the, with, with the wrist right now? It's, it's going well. It's getting uh, it's getting better. It's healing. Um, had a motorcycle accident. Which, really? Yeah. So that wasn't very smart. But um, <laughs> it's uh, it's getting better. Hopefully uh, I'm on the mend from, from all that. You're no stranger to surgeries. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But... Uh, this is a, an exciting time, and if you're like me, you feel like that internal clock in you, in, in you Shane, is like, hey, this is time to start going to spring training, and obviously the pitchers and catchers have reported for the Astros just here in the last couple of days that the position players will report tomorrow and the first full workouts on Saturday, and this is a fun time of year. Everybody's very optimistic. What what'd you feel like every year you went to spring training? Oh, that's, you, you hit it just right. No matter how long that we've been out of the game, and you understand it. At this time of year, it's time to go to spring training. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of hard work. Um, but there's a lot of years that that's that's what we did, and it's just engraved into into our bodies and our minds of going to spring training and having fun, working hard, and getting ready to uh, start the season. It's something that uh, we'll never forget. And well, I think, you know, and, and until the day that we're gone, I think we'll have that feeling when it comes around this time of year. Special, oh, yeah. special time of year. Yeah, it is. And, and our host, Lauren Blackwell, who's with the uh, Ballpark Entertainment, has a question from one of the, our uh, customers here at Plucker's Wing Bar, kind of about uh, spring training. What is it, Lauren? Um, you know, now that we're talking about spring training, one thing that pitchers especially focus on this time of year is their health. What was the key to your durability through spring training and all of your seasons? Um, I think the biggest thing was uh, preparation. I think coming into spring training, um, not 100%, but ready to go. And I think that uh, young kids nowadays uh, have a, uh, a little bit of a, I don't know, maybe a misunderstanding of where their body is and where it needs to be. That's something that you learn uh, having more years uh, of spring training and uh, learn your arm and your body and where you need to be when you come into spring training. Because as a, as a young person and somebody just getting started in your career, you know, you want to come in and, and try to blow the doors off and make the team <laughs> and do good. Next thing you know, you wind up uh, getting tired or hurting something, and then you're on the shelf and you don't have an opportunity. So as you get older, you learn how to pace yourself and, and, and where to where to get uh, when you come into spring training. It never failed in spring training. When you go through those drills and, and people hear about PFPs, that's pitcher's fielding practice, and you're doing pickoff plays or throwing to bases and things like that, and you always got that young guy 
who's trying to make the team the first week of spring training, who's throwing 95 miles per hour just on pickoff plays, and he ends up he ends up in the trainer's room the first hey, week. You're exactly right, and and, and a lot of yeah, because you're, you're throwing a bullpen just about every other day, yeah, and every single day. You're doing your pickoffs and your PFPs and fielding and throwing. So yeah, you saw them, you know, every year. And believe it or not, we were that we were that guy. Heck yeah, we your were. Your first couple of years, we were that guy in big yeah, league camp. All you know? excited. And then we got smart. Yeah. And we learned. And then it's so fun to watch those young kids. It is. Come out there and do that, and then have a sore arm. You know, starting <laughs> in the second week. You know, and you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, Shane. D- uh, Danny Ferris, our social media coordinator. Uh, we got something a little bit different today, and tell us a bit about Facebook Live, what we might be doing during the season. So we have uh, this new camera that allows us to live stream to Facebook. Okay. So we're testing it out um, tonight. It's not going too great tonight, but it will be good to go uh, in future segments. Very good. And Danny Ferris will be taking your questions. You can submit those questions via Twitter at hashtag... Astroline, if you have a question for Shane Reynolds, uh, one of the all-time winningest pitchers in Astros histories, and when you look at, Shane, all of those top ten uh, categories as far as complete games and earn run average and innings pitched and all those things, you're scattered around there with Joe Necro and Nolan Ryan, obviously, and Mike Scott and all those guys, but you're right in the middle of that, and uh, you were a very reliable top of the, the rotation type of guy. What was the key for you to stay healthy for the most part, because we know your work ethic was at the top of, of a lot of guys. Yeah, you know, I was I was a hard worker. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I didn't have the the blazing fastball or the stuff that you know a lot of people had. Yep. And, and I had to. I thought myself was you've got to be a hundred percent. You've got to get a hundred percent out of yourself physically um, to have the ability to go out and get these guys out um, and perform. And I think just keeping myself in probably the best shape of, of my life, you know, mm-hmm. and, and keeping my arm uh, right, and that allowed me the uh, ability to stay in the uh, big leagues for a number of years. It was something that your dad instilled in you. You grew up in northeastern Louisiana, and uh, your mom and dad, hard workers, in particular your dad who coached you until you were 18, he instilled that value in you, didn't he? He did. He, he was a hard worker. Uh, he had a tough job, and and for him to sacrifice uh coaching me for those years he instilled that in me and i think that had a lot uh, my papa was the same way he was a hard worker he was a farmer and mm. and you know watching that growing up seeing that um I, I think that had a lot to do with uh you know the way i did things what was it like i mean growing up near monroe in bastrop louisiana uh just a little tiny town but i mean what was it like growing up for you you had great parents and a great upbringing but you played a lot of sports what was the family life like? I was lucky, to be honest with you. I had, uh, for, for most of my childhood, probably until in my 20s, um, I was lucky enough to have both sets of grandparents. Mm. And, uh, you know, every time there was a holiday or any occasion like that. Then, everybody uh, was together. Everybody was together. And the weird thing about it was uh, being in a small town like that, my, my dad's family and my mom's family lived within 10 miles. Did they already know each other? Yeah, so, I mean, everybody was there every time. So it was a big kick together for every situation, and, you know, that was that, that makes it pretty good. Then you met Pam when uh, you guys were 16 years old, still married, obviously. But uh, what was that like? You met this little girl in, in high school, and uh, what attracted you to her? 
You know, we just we started dating our junior year in high school. Yeah. Um, and we were we were friends at first. I sat behind her in history class. You know. Did you and torment her? I didn't. Well, no, because I needed to pass. So you were cheating. And she on was her. and she was smart. So <laughs> we were we were friends first, and it you know it just it, it, it kept going. And I mean, we talk about it a lot. We've been married 28 years this year. Yeah. And we dated for four or five years you know before we got married and we've been together more than half of our lives way more than half yeah so i mean it's pretty special i mean you know a lot of people have an opportunity or do not have an opportunity to maybe find their soulmate and yeah it's been really special for us and it's uh I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't change anything. We're with Shane Reynolds, and uh, we're at live at Plucker's Wing Bar. We're in downtown Houston on 1400 North Shepherd. And be sure to check out Plucker's brand-new location in Memorial City. It's a new one out there. It's beautiful on the Katy Freeway just inside the loop. And next time you're out there, look for that great IPA. Please remain calm. That's Carbach Brewery. That's Hopadillo IPA. It's loaded with hops from around the world for the perfect citrus character at Carbach Brewing company right here in houston texas faulkner university now i'd never really heard a whole lot about it i knew it was a little christian university montgomery alabama some schools were looking at you coming out of uh high school shane but you elected to go to faulkner what was the attraction to go there you know um i had a i had a a few colleges look you know at me um you know i was still a kid that uh you know didn't throw the ball very hard at all well how hard were you throwing back then 85, 84, yeah. you know, Tops. coming out, of, yeah, coming out of high school, didn't blow anybody away. I, I could always throw strikes, so yeah. I didn't walk anybody, and had a pretty good curveball. And to be honest with you, my papa, which was a farmer, knew yeah. the president of this college. Really? Yeah. And uh, back then, when you signed a, uh, when they gave you a scholarship, they gave me a four-year full scholarship. But this, uh, the president there, told me, he goes, "Look, if it, if within a couple years, you you might want to leave, then we'll give you release." Hmm. You know, so uh, so I went, and it wound up being the best thing for me. Went, you went there for two years, and went, you got to play a lot, which is important for a guy coming out of high school. You know what? That, that's something you said that because I stress that to a lot of young kids these days mm-hmm. because with social media the way it is, everybody's like, oh, uh, I'm going to uh, some big you know, university. Yeah, some big university, yep. and, and they want to put it on Facebook or social media. Well, what you don't think about these days is the way the competition is. Everybody is so much bigger and stronger and faster. Heck, yeah. You have to play. You need to play. Especially in baseball. Don't, don't you feel like there's so many late bloomers that a, a guy that gets an opportunity to play right after high school gets a, a big advantage on a guy that goes to a bigger school sometimes who sits for a couple of years? Yeah. I mean, you've seen what's happened these days. I mean, if you, do, if you don't throw 95, nobody looks at you. Isn't that can, crazy? Can you go a whole year without getting reps, facing yeah. somebody throwing 95, and then all of a sudden go, okay, I'm going to step in and – and play the next two or three years yeah. and do okay. Tell these kids to go. I, and, and leading back to what you said, I was able to go to this small university and play as a freshman. How'd you do? Did you do all right? Yes, did did uh, not great, but did okay. Did sophomore right. sophomore year even did better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then had a chance, an opportunity to uh, go to the University of Texas. So went that way. So it was almost like I went to a jun- junior college. What year did you get married? Did you get married in college? No, the year before we went to uh, University of Texas, 1988, and I was at University of Texas in 1989. So you guys got married, getting ready to go to University of Texas. So at your junior year, you're married. Yeah. 
Exactly. That's yeah. crazy. So Pam went with you guys, with you out there, and you went to University of Texas. Didn't get to pitch a whole lot, but you ended up getting drafted in the third round by the Astros in 1989. Yeah. And what a thrill that had to be for you. Were you a fan of the Astros growing up in Louisiana, or were you a fan of some other team? Nobody, really, to be honest with you. We lived on a dead-end street out in the country, had two channels. <laughs> You know, I mean. But weren't you watching TBS or WGN or something like we that? We didn't have that. You didn't? No, we didn't have it. We had 8 and 10. What is this, Green Acres? Hey, nothing came on. I didn't watch <laughs> baseball. Really? Seriously, no. Hardly ever watched it. Um, I love playing it. Yeah. You know. Um, Your high school baseball coach used to swear that you were a better basketball player than baseball player. I would have to say I was. I really? love, That was my first love, basketball. Really? I love playing basketball. I, you know, I've got to be honest with you. I was one of the guys that just – Got really lucky and and happened to have a person, Brent Strom. Let's talk about that. Just took me under his wing and he asked me a question in Venezuela. Um, let me bef- let, let me set this up for you. Okay. So Brent Strom, who's the pitching coach for the Houston Astros, as we speak, he's in West Palm Beach with the Dallas Keuchel and Lance McCullers and Colin McHugh. 1991, after the minor league season, you go to Venezuela. Brent Strom's the AAA pitching coach for the Astros at that time. He's your pitching coach, watches you for a few games. Two. Watches you for two games and watches your mediocrity. My second start, and he asked me this exactly. He said, do you want to play 10 years in the minor leagues or one year in the big league? Tough question. I go, one year in the big league. <laughs> he goes, let's do this. He completely changed my uh, mechanics. So what he recognized, though, was you were a guy that was marginal on your velocity, that you were pitching like a power pitcher mechanically, right? Yeah, and I didn't. Yes, mechanically, and I didn't have power. Right, so he but, wanted it to, to change things. Right, but I could always throw strikes. Mm. And not so much down the middle. I could pinpoint. So I could always get ahead of hitters. Okay. I could get two strikes. I could never get them out or put them away. Mm. And... I think he saw this, and he wanted me to have a little more movement, so he, he changed my uh, mechanics, stood me up straight a little more, gave me uh, two-seam, uh, worked on the two-seam, and uh, tightened up my curveball, made it a little bit smaller so I could throw it any time in the count and had so confidence. Did, your, did your mechanics help you to tighten up that curveball? So yeah. you were standing a little bit taller to get on top of that pitch, I would imagine. Mo, yeah, mo, and changed my grip. Okay. Uh, more of a kind of spike curveball, knuckle curveball, whatever. And then the coup de gras was adding the what? The split finger. Yeah. Um, for, I think for two weeks, every other day, I threw a bullpen to our, our manager at the time, which was my manager in double-A, Rick Sweet. Mm-hmm. He was a catcher yeah. uh, when he played. Sweet mustache, by the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he caught me. And the first time I got on the mound, um, I was wondering, how how is this guy going to change me? Completely. You're talking I, about Brent Strong. Yeah, yeah, and I agreed to it. Yep. So I'm up there the first day. He hands me a ball and he scuffs it. I'm like, well, what are you doing? He goes, put the scuff on this side, stand up straight while we worked on, and let your natural arm slot throw the ball. Well, I threw it, and I mean, it, it moved two foot. Yeah, and the ball goes the opposite direction of the scuff. Part. Exactly. Yep. Long story short, yep. after the two weeks of throwing every other day with scuffs, with scuffs, I'm throwing a bullpen before I'm fixing to make a real start. Uh-huh. He hands me a ball, no scuff. And I'm like, you gonna? He goes, no, you can't. You can't in the game. He said, so throw it. And I kid you not, I threw the ball and it did the same thing. You're kidding? No. Why? I don't know. It, I, it just my arm angle. The, the, that's 
You just got used to staying I, on top and getting you. it out front. Whatever. He's To me, I owe him everything. He knows that. Um, that's the lucky part of my career, having a guy see me and being able to say, you need to try this. Because you go through in the minor leagues a whole lot. You know this. You've been there. You can throw a bullpen in the minor leagues, and then you can wait. And the next guy that needs to throw a bullpen, if you want to stay and watch, a lot of times he'll be told the same thing you have. Yeah, it's brutal. So who, who's learning what? Who, it's kind of a who, cookie-cutter approach. Yeah. Strom, yeah. wasn't like that. Mm. Stromy had a different opinion to, on each person depending on what he has seen via video or watching you when you are good and watching when you are bad. Tell me if you think this is right. You, you see a lot of pitching coaches teach you what they were taught oh, you, rather you, than using their eyes. And well, getting to know Brent Strom a lot in the last couple of years, Shane, he uses his eyes. Yeah, I mean, he's not trying to tell each guy to be the same way. Who, who, how are you going to teach Shane Reynolds to be Nolan Ryan? Exactly. But, Every, everybody. So you can take... You can take two guys that's 6'3 and 210 pounds and right-handed and pitch the same way, and, and they're not. They need – each one of them needs something different. Well, I'm Steve Sparks. I'm with Shane Reynolds. we got one segment down and four segments on here on Astro Line, brought to you by Carbot Brewing Company. Hey, 2017 Astro season tickets are on sale right now. Enjoy some of the best seats at Minute Maid Park. Save money and receive great benefits throughout the season. Call 1-879-ASTROS or visit astros.com. Slash season tickets to get your seats before the holidays. You're listening to Astroline, brought to you by Carbot Brewing Company, right here at Plucker's Wing Bar at 1400 North Shepherd. We'll be right back right after this. Seventeen ground ball outs for the Astros staff in this game, and fifteen of those ground balls by your starter Shane Reynolds. If we get another out, we'll win his 14th game in his only start and appearance against the Redbirds this year. Pitch on the way. Tapper, Wagner, fire, and got him. Oh, man, oh, man, that was an eyelash at first. And this ball game and the regular season is over. Now, this will go down as a very, very big game in the Astros' history. Seventh division title now, and I think the ball club is as well-equipped as ever to go on to the postseason and have success. And now it's the Atlanta Braves starting Tuesday. Welcome back to Astro Line. That, of course, was Milo Hamilton and Alan Ashby making that call. 2001 against the St. Louis Cardinals last game of the year. And that was the clincher to get you guys into the playoffs in 2001, Shane. And obviously special in, in that regard, but special in another regard because it was a milestone for you as far as career wins. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I, I didn't think about that until you, you made that comment and then, you know, it was my hundredth win, which yeah. uh, which was a you know big milestone for myself, but uh, awesome for uh, the Houston Astros and the team there to go uh, to go into there and play a Cardinals team that was just you know really really tough. You know, I want to go through through some of those years in the '90s, but when you talk about 2001 and you guys making it to the playoffs to face the Braves again, that was on the footsteps of, of a, a pretty miserable year you guys had in in 2000 when you guys moved away from the Astrodome over to Enron Field at the time. But you guys had a tough season. A lot of injuries, of course, but and the pitching staff was really thrown off their mark as far as almost psychologically being psyched out by that field, right? Oh, no doubt. You know as well as I do. You go on the Astrodome and you're just loving it. You can, 
you can not have your best stuff and get behind an account, and you know that if you throw it throw, middle away, throw middle away, yeah. and let them hit it as far as they can hit it, and yeah. the outfielder runs it down. You yeah. know, so that part of it was good. Well, moving into the new stadium, which don't get me wrong, was an absolutely awesome stadium, beautiful. Um, you didn't have that, and you couldn't do that. You do that there, home run. Yeah. You know, um, so it was, you know, mentally, I think it uh, it affected a lot of uh, a lot of the pitchers. Did, and, that, uh, did that spook you? I mean, when you first walked in there and saw left field, the, the Landers Crawford boxes, did that spook you a little bit? Or you just said, all right, I, I just got to outpitch the other pitcher, really? <laughs> um, you know, probably not as much as some of the younger kids, I guess. Yeah. I've, I've been there a while. And, and I know Lima had a hard time. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lima in the Astrodome was the absolute perfect fit, perfect right? pitch for that for that guy, and, and he did so awesome. And and you're right. I mean, it some fields do that uh, to people, and and I think it did for him that year. Um, and it affected you know really truly all of us a little bit. But uh, then again, I mean, such a beautiful place to play. Steve Sparks uh, alongside uh, Shane Reynolds, one of the the best Astros pitchers of all time, and I mean that sincerely. And I want to talk to you about you came up in '92 as a big leaguer, and you pitch a few games, 93, the same thing. 94, uh, you made a few more starts than, than you had the previous two years, and in particular making a spot start in Los Angeles. Pete Harnish had an injury. You got a spot start out there, and it was. is it fair to say, Shane, that that was the game that kind of made you feel like you belonged? Yeah, I guess um, maybe belong or it started my craziness of Burger King. What? Okay, yeah. seven innings, one run. You lost by I had a I had a no-hitter, and I found out later that uh, Raul Mondesi, starting the sixth inning, yep. hit a first-pitch 0-0 count curveball, which, come on, you, you don't do that. <laughs> you know, you can flip it over and get a strike about any time, right? So you were tipping your pitches. No, no, yeah. not tipping the pitches. Lasorda told them after the fifth inning he was going to start finding them or something if, if they, they didn't pitch? swing. Yeah, no taking. Uh, because they would you're let, getting ahead of everybody. They'd let me just throw a two-seamer away for a strike. Yeah. Um, they'd let me flip a cobra curveball over for a strike. Well, if I got a strike, then I'd throw a couple split fingers. Yeah. Well, he saw he got, that for five innings. He's like, that's it. You're swinging. Go up there and swing. Well, I flip a oh oh count curveball in a nothing-nothing ball game. He hits it over the fence. Dang. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. So that part of it. But as far as what you said, yeah, that was, uh, that was awesome. I had eaten. I didn't. Have too you didn't much know you were starting that game, is that right? Yeah, I didn't have a really good pregame meal like you probably should have had. You know, I was in the bullpen, you uh-huh. know, for the start of the year. Yeah. Um, Something happened to Pete Harnish, and I got the start and found out when I got there, and I had eaten Burger King. Some greasy burger. Yeah, a Nasty Whopper. Fries, a yeah. Whopper, yeah. yeah. So, you know what I ate last night, the next time for a starter. Yep. And the next time for a starter. How long did that last? I, I spent before, I before. Leaving the hotel on the days I start, wherever we're at, I have spent three times as much on cabs going to a Burger King and coming no. back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to get a $5 Whopper. That's brutal. It's terrible. But, Just to get it. But, that's hey, that's the way. Didn't that, didn't that little gut bomb sit on you when you were pitching? Couldn't you feel that? No. Really? It did. Man, it really if I did. ate like that, I would feel it. <laughs> get sluggish. All right, Danny Ferris, our social media coordinator, has a is a pretty good question. I think you know where he's headed with this one. What do you got, Danny? Yeah, what is the best game 
an opposing pitcher has ever twirled against you. Oh, God. That's pretty easy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that classic game you have to watch all the time, Kerry Wood. And Whoever sent that question in was a smart aleck. It could have was, been Kerry Wood himself. Probably was. Was it 20 <laughs> or 21? 20. Okay, 20. he would have struck out 21. Yeah, I but, know why. And uh, Gutierrez. Um, let off the sixth. Hit a, hit a ball that the... Went off the shortstop to glove. Kevin Oria, or Kevin Oria, the third baseman. Was it? Oh, the third base. Okay, yeah. went off the third baseman. Yeah. I hate, since it's over with and done with now. I that mean, was an error, right? Yeah. Only hit you guys got. Was that a hit? Yeah, they gave it a hit. That I was think, the only hit. I think it was an error. Yeah. It, I mean, so it should be have honest, been a no-hitter. If you ask that guy, to be honest with you, if you ask that guy, hey, if he if nine more of those comes your way, do you make the play? I guarantee he says yes. Yeah. Anyway, I had to bunt. He gets on, I have because to Because he let off the inning getting exactly. on base. Right. So I come up and I have to bunt. So I, could, I could bunt. I wasn't worried about the guy bunting, but if I had had to swing. He had punched you out. Oh. That would have been 21. Have you seen? And most of these people here, I'm sure, have seen that, and you've watched it. Oh. That guy was throwing wiffle ball, frisbee stuff. You've yeah. seen it. It looked, it looked fake. Yeah. You can't. I mean, you can you forget it. it yeah. Righty, lefty, it didn't matter. We could have put nine lefties in there, and the same thing would have happened. Right. It was just one of those days. But. Yeah, I hear that a lot about, you know. And I threw the ball pretty well that day, you too. You did, man. man. I mean, you, know? you, you think about it. Both of you guys do a complete game. And obviously, when both guys are pitching well, it kind of lends itself to staying in your rhythm and all those things. And I always kind of like those get type of games. But you struck out 10 in that game and only gave up, I think, one earned run in that one. You guys lost two to nothing. But Wood was just otherworldly and just his fifth yeah. big league start. Yeah, but when you're throwing 97 and you got a – Five foot twelve to six curveball. I mean, come on. I mean, that was Bugs Bunny stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, so you came up in '92, Shane, and you had a lot of veterans in there, but a lot of guys that knew how to play the game right. And you came up with some of these guys, but you had Bagwell, you had Biggio, you had Caminiti, you had Luis Gonzalez, among a, a lot of other guys. But it was the type of guys that knew how to play the game the right way, and it made it easy to kind of fall in line in that clubhouse, didn't it? Oh, most most definitely, and. You can have, just because you have veteran guys, that does not mean that they have the ability to teach young guys how to play the game or how to about go in their business or how to get them ready or, you know, how to keep yourself, you know, on the bus, on the plane, on the on, on the road. And we were lucky enough, to be honest, uh, myself and the young guys, to have Biggio and Bagwell and Gonzo and Cammy to teach us those kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were really, really good at it. You didn't have to have somebody say something all the time they were uh quiet leaders you know by the way they played the game they all played so hard and they hustled they never not hustled you never had to yell at them for not hustling or doing their job yeah but it gave them credibility if they approached another guy right exactly no doubt and you heard it from other guys on other teams the respect um that they had for for our um leaders which is you know video bagwell and and those guys caminetti and, and gonzo so that was easy to follow those guys. Yep. They, they made it real easy. Well, Gene Coleman was the strength and conditioning coach for you guys for years and years and years, dating back to the days when Nolan was on the team. And he'd love to always talk about stories with you. And he, you know, put you in the same conversation as far as work ethic with, with Nolan Ryan and Roger Clemens and those guys. But one of the things is your first offseason when you moved to Houston and 
you were going to have a chance to work out at the Astrodome. You, you moved to, I, I guess it was an apartment five miles away, and you used to ride your bike to the yeah. to the to the stadium to do your workouts. And if the guy <laughs> wasn't there to open the door, you just ride in the concourse, didn't you? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it. You know, that's just one of those. I. I Obsessive compulsive. You were, right? I, I mean, I, yeah, I did. I mean, I had to do my workouts, and I had to do everything, and I had to do it right, and I had to do it 100%. And I, most times I had to do a little more, and that's probably, to be honest with you, my, why my career was cut a little bit shorter than probably it could have with having the knee surgeries with all the running and the weights and different things. I was lucky enough never to really have arm problems. But you wouldn't have been as good as you no. were because your psyche right. was was perfect because you knew that you had prepared, prepared as, as, as well as you could have. That is such an unbelievably huge thing that I don't think just the people watching baseball don't understand the mental part of the game. Yeah, the Every, confidence you gain from yes. doing everything correctly. Yes, no doubt. The, there's a lot of people that maybe have the ability because the minor leagues are full of those people. Oh, yeah. That have. As good as stuff for the guy that's in the big leagues. It's just like a pitcher, you have to repeat. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you get five starts, I mean, you got to have, you know, three pretty good ones and maybe a fourth good one. You can't do a one out of five. Those right. one out of five guys stay in the minor league. That's right. So you know, same with hitters, you know. Um, that's why the, 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 the difference in ability is not that far apart from some guys that are in the minor leagues. It's just the mental part of it. Mm-hmm. It's whether it's preparation or whether it's confidence, I mean. But that's get, the mental side that carries you to be more consistent. Exactly. No All right. Doubt. All right, that's halfway done with Shane Reynolds. You're listening to Astroline, brought to you by Carbock Brewing Company. want to remind you folks, starting in 2005, that Grand Slam for Youth Baseball has offered scholarships to high school seniors. You can go to MinuteMaidGrandSlamForYouthBaseball.com. That's M-M-G-S-F-Y-B.com. There's a scholarship program there for high school seniors who have ever played softball or baseball in their life. In the years past, they've given away $2,500 scholarships to 25 high school seniors each year. Now the Astros Foundation is going to match that and make it a $5,000 scholarship to 25 high school seniors in this upcoming year. You can go to mmgsfyb.com to check it out. You need to go there if you've got a high school senior. Remind those folks. We're at Astro Line. Here at Plucker's Wing Bar, brought to you by Carbock Brewing Company. More with Shane Reynolds right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we celebrate the greatest players of the game. Joined on the field by children representing the next generation of stars. And now, let's meet the All-Stars. From the Houston Astros, Shane Reynolds. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give your 2000 All-Star teams a big round of applause. That, of course, was in Atlanta, Georgia, site of the 2000 All-Star game. You're listening to Astroline here at Plucker's Wing Bar on 1400 North Shepherd. Steve Sparks along with one of the Astros' greatest pitchers of all time, Shane Reynolds. And you got a chance to make the All-Star team in 2000. What were the introductions like? Because as a kid... And even later on, me watching introductions, I'd get goosebumps. Just having the guy announce you as one of the best players in the world at that time, did that, did that just blow you away? Yeah, yeah it really did. It, it, it was awesome. And one reason it was awesome is because uh, I did have uh, both my kids, Lauren, my daughter. Yep. And uh, she was holding my hand. And uh, 
Ryan, my son, was on my shoulders. And, uh, <laughs> and we walked in that away from center field. So I'll always remember that. And then uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you remember. What oh, was Lauren dressed in? Your pink, little, gr- little pink dress. Little little bow in her hair? Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. I, have, I had an artist uh, uh, paint that. Uh, and then I have it in my office. And it's awesome. Never, never forget that. That's just one of those things you always wish and hope that, you know, yeah. it's kind of funny because I always – Wanted to make an all-star team. Always wanted to hit a home run. I wanted to steal a base. You wanted to kind of do one of everything. Yeah. And stealing a base was far-fetched. Stealing a base was harder to get than making an all-star team. Did you steal team. a base? No. Yeah. I couldn't run out of sight in a week, man. It, it, okay. You made the all-star team in 2000. But in 1996, Shane, as I was prepping for this show, you should have been on the all-star team. You had a, a 10 wins at the break. Brent Strom was your pitching coach for the only year he was a pitching coach with the Astros at that time. But you were having a great year. Why didn't you make that team? I know Biggio and Bagwell both made the team. Was it just a numbers thing? I have no idea. But did you think you were going to make it? I think I should have three other times. Really? To be honest with you, I think I I had ten wins three other times. At the break. And didn't make it. Dang. And that's a that's one of those things. Usually, as a starting pitcher, if you have ten wins at the break, you're pretty much guaranteed. But yeah. you know as well as I do, as, as the All Star is, you have guys. Every team has to have a every representative. Every team has to have a representative. And you guys were always going to have Bizio or Bagwell or Wagner. Yeah, I that's mean, think true. about it. So we always had somebody, and there was yeah. other teams that didn't. And it depended on what you need. Did you need a starter? You need a reliever? You need a position player, outfielder? So I honestly believe I was always in the. Wrong spot at the wrong time, Yeah, maybe, type thing, you know. You know, I want to talk about some of those guys that you played with, and there's a lot of characters, but Lauren Blackwell, our host with the uh, Baseball Entertainment, has a question for you, and you probably have heard this a lot of times, but there's always been debate about this. What do you have, Lauren? Yeah, Shane, what do you consider to be the best team that you've played on? And a lot of people debate this, Shane. Got to be 1998. Really? We won 100. 102 games. 102 games. And we got Randy halfway. Yeah. He was unhittable. You guys got Randy at the deadline. He went 10-1 and one with like a 1-4 or 1-2. Yeah. I mean. You won 19 that year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, we had we had other years where Hambone did good. Uh, Lima did good. We had a lot of wins. Yep. But I honestly think we had, if we could have played somebody besides the Padres, it was basically but, one guy. Because Kevin Brown was so awesome that year. But another thing, it's the uh, scheduling. Larry, you, you remember the just oh, Jim yeah. Larry, the Lairich. catcher? Yeah. How many times in his career yeah. in the ninth inning post-season. did he pinch hit and hit a home run in the postseason? Yeah. He did it against us, I believe. Yeah. Of Wagner, he did it twice in that in that playoff series. But the other thing, I mean, the, the scheduling in the 1998 playoffs because of the way it was construed, it allowed Kevin Brown to come back on three days rest. In game three, I mean, he, he dominated in game one, but he came back in game three, and obviously you pitched well in game two. You got a win, the only win that you guys had in that series, but, I mean, it's just a lot of misfortune in that one. Obviously facing Kevin Brown twice, but also Sterling Hitchcock in game four in those shadows was ridiculous. Oh, great. He had a great game. I mean, that's... <laughs> that's out 11. That's but, one. I mean, it was the shadows, a <laughs> mid-afternoon game. You guys weren't the marquee uh, game, so you guys had to play the afternoon game. I know. If it, you know, probably the absolute worst luck. Yeah. You know, if that's if you can use that, I'm using it. I but think that we, was disheartening. Oh, I, I think we had, had a, a great team. I think we had a great team. I think we had great pitching. We had one of the... Uh, it's going to be a Hall of Fame closer. Yeah. We had two Hall of Fame players. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was an all And Randy team. Johnson. There's yeah. another Hall of Fame. An, an unhittable starter. So, I mean, 
we had the chance and the ability did uh like i said earlier i think do you have to have some luck along the way we Heck didn't yeah. we didn't have it yeah we were just that good and and we just didn't have any luck okay uh steve sparks along with shane reynolds shane we're talking about 1998 and that season started out kind of in an ominous fa- fashion in Dirk spring Dirk. training no okay february 23rd in Kissimmee. You guys had seven tornadoes, F4s. Oh. Talk about that experience because I, I started reading accounts about that today with Mike Magnante and Billy Spires and, and you and Pam had, had circumstances. But tell us about that day, the following day, and what could have transpired because oh. where you guys used to live in spring training, you, that house yeah. got flattened, right? Uh, yeah, no doubt. Uh now I have to I have to say this: we did get lucky in 1998, and at that time of year, we didn't at the end when we were playing, right? But we did there because a lot of us lived in this area when you guys it, had just gotten to spring training in Kissimmee. I remember the lights; those the, in, in that house, there, there was a box with two lights. That if electricity went off, the the, the batteries come on; those lights come on, right? Yeah, emergency. Well, they come on; it was so bright it kind of woke me up. Well, I set up, and when this I set is just up, just after midnight. Yes, and I set up, and I heard, and I, it sounded like a choo-choo train, and I, I followed it from one end of the house all the way, and setting up just hear, you hearing it. Really? Yeah, it sounded just like a train, and as soon as it kind of left and left the hearing, then phone rang. Uh, I, I think it was Hambone. And next thing you know, we're walking around trying to find people, there's roofs gone. Outside. You're outside. Yeah, we're outside. There's, uh, I can remember, a red Corvette down the street in the second level bedroom. Wow. Half of the house is gone, and the car was picked up and shoved in there. Were you with your kids huddling with the kids in the closet or what? No. Luckily, Pam had not gotten there yet. Oh, okay. You're by yourself. Yes. Okay. And kind of lucky for that. I mean, it yeah. was just a horrible next few days. And I read something that you said that the house that you'd lo- you all lived in a couple of years before because you were guys in a rental property like a pool, yeah. the house that you'd lived in two years previously was flattened yeah. in Com- that thing. Completely gone. It was so over 250 people seriously injured in the in this tornado and I believe 46 killed. I mean, yeah. it was devastating. They found people on top of trees and stuff. Yeah. And do you, re- was, did you ever read the account where the guy was holding his baby and the baby the baby blew out of his arms and they found the baby a half yeah. a mile away? Yeah, I, unbelievable situation for that that the, the people in the in that in that part of the state of Florida was was uh, horrific. 1999, after this season, you went to Japan to play on an All Star team. What was that like, and who'd you play with? Oh, wow, that was an absolutely unbelievable experience. Um, the best in the world to yeah. be of uh, Cal Ripken, wow, Pedro Martinez, Barry Bonds. Um, I'm going to miss a whole bunch, but it was um, all the I mean, everybody in the American League and National League that, that I'm just sitting there in awe, looking. Wasn't that cool? Oh, oh, unbelievable! That'd be a great feeling. And it's a confidence builder too, isn't it? Yeah, most definitely. It was that was one of the. Really neat experiences of, of, of my whole career. Real quick, just a little synopsis. What was it like closing out the Astrodome in 1999? Was it kind of bittersweet, or was it like, all right, we're, we're in the playoffs, and, you know, things are things are like this. But did you realize the magnification of, of, of leaving such a iconic building? I did. Yeah. Uh, it was very – and we were in the uh, playoffs, and we had that on our mind. But for me, that's the only place I'd ever been. Mm-hmm. And – 
I like the Astrodome, and I knew what it meant to me as a pitcher, yep. and I didn't want to go anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Well, we're live at Plucker's Wing Bar, downtown Houston on 1400 Shepherd Drive. You're listening to Astro Line. Uh, season tickets, go to astros.com. Check out season tickets right away. Uh, we're at Plucker's Wing Bar, brought to you by Carbock Brewing Company. More with Shane Reynolds right after this. Relax. Let the kids enjoy it. I think we take away the enjoyment about playing the game of baseball. It's still a game. It's still a game for us guys that played in the big leagues. Yeah, it's your job then, and it's a career, but it's still a game, and you've always loved to play the game of baseball. Set back, take in consideration that these kids are out here at this age. Now, granted, they want to try to have a career at the next level. Okay, the next level right now is college, and you've got to be real good to play in a real good college. And then you have to be exceptional to play at the next level. Let them enjoy it. If they're good enough, they're good enough, okay? Let them play and enjoy the game of baseball and, and, and take that aspect, and I think things will change and your mental approach will change once you see your kid out there having fun because I think we as parents put a lot of pressure on the kids that's really not needed, and sometimes pressure on young kids make them mess up. This is enough as it is. Look at all these scouts. There's hundreds, college and professional, out here watching these kids. That's enough pressure. Let them play the game. Let them play and enjoy the game of baseball. There you go. Perfect advice from Shane Reynolds. Some parental advice about how to coach your kids and try to help them along to further their career. For good reason. You're listening to Astroline right now with Steve Sparks and Shane Reynolds. Uh, we're at Carbot or brought to you by Carbot Brewing Company. For good reason. Ryan, your son, is a freshman at University of Texas, and he's playing college baseball. Pretty cool. Very cool. Uh, his mom and I were very excited um, for the next step of our life. We're empty nesters. Yeah. But now we have the opportunity to uh, travel and go watch some baseball. Yeah, and your daughter's already at University of Texas, so it makes things pretty convenient. Yeah, it does. She graduates this year, so we're excited about that. She's excited to get uh, the next part of her life started, and uh, we get to see her also when we go up there, so it's perfect. You got to coach Ryan, of course. Uh, you guys moved to Louisiana for his last three years of high school, but it had to be some special moments. I know your dad got to do the same thing for you until you were 18, but being able to be part of his process of getting better and to grow not only as a ball player but as a young man had to be pretty special. I loved, loved playing in the big leagues. Yeah. If somebody gave me an opportunity when he was five years old, to go, I'll give you another wish to play in the big leagues for the next 10 years. I wouldn't have took it. Yeah. It was I great, wasn't absolutely, it? Absolutely. That's all I wanted to do, to, to, to watch your kid play. I, I just, I mean, goosebumps every time he played, every game, every practice. I just, that's me, and I just, I mean, I loved it. Yeah. Well, here's some goosebumps. Lauren's got a question about... Some nervous times. Uh, what do you got, Lauren? Shane, five consecutive opening day starts. What were your nerves like each opening day, or did they subside after the first couple of seasons? You know, after the first couple, they did, and it's so funny. Really? Yeah, it, they did a little bit, but I can I can promise you uh, something that registered in my mind the other day. I was talking to Ryan, and uh, uh, they're playing the alumni game, and it, you know, more people there than at practice and stuff. And he was kind of nervous. You know, sure, yeah. it's kind of funny. He kind of asked me, he goes. Did you see my knees shaking? I'm like, no. He goes, I felt like they were. And immediately I Didn't thought. Didn't you go through that a few immediately times? Immediately yeah. I thought, that happened to me a number of times, yeah. especially on opening days when you're starting, especially the first time. You should have gone out there with my stuff. Oh, Your my. knees would have been knocking every time. Your stuff was better than mine. 
I was stand I, I was standing there and I knew a hundred percent sure that the people on, uh, in the first row and, and on TV people could see my knees shaking and I'm thinking somebody's gonna say something this is gonna be horribly it's embarrassing. embarrassing yeah because that's what it felt like so yeah that uh, for nervous. a kid for a kid out there and what'd you tell Ryan how do you calm your nerves just like you just heard prior to us coming on the air for this segment enjoy the game of baseball yeah. it, sometimes it you fun. just have to experience stuff. you do yeah. and that's the biggest thing we as parents don't understand is they are going to have to experience that stuff to understand what we're trying to tell them talking to shane reynolds all right listen to these this group of guys lou brock vita blue terry bradshaw don cheney marshall falk ron gidry archie manning pete maravich carl malone jr richard and rusty Staub. danny Ferris has a question for you from uh, one of our people on, on Twitter. What do we got? How touching was it to be inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame? Oh, so all right. those guys. I mean, they're all in there amongst so, a lot of other guys. But that's an unbelievable grouping of guys to be included in. In 2014, you went into the, the Hall of Fame there. Yeah, I mean, most definitely for the for the state of Louisiana to, to, to recognize me that way and you know, you, you don't really think about it when, when you're playing. You think about it more when you retire and you try to reflect back and you look at different things. And when you retire, you you think about it, but you don't look back as much as you'd like to because it's kind of sad because you want it. You know, you, you wish you were still in there and still yeah. playing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what an unbelievable honor. And I, I really appreciated that so much. I thought it was really special. I, I never really thought, you know, of me as that kind of a guy uh, or person, you know, when I, when I was playing, you know, it, it, that wasn't on my mind. It's more of, you know, just trying to do a good job and hope the team, you know, won the ball game, you know, whether I got the win or not, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but, but yeah, sometimes when, when that happens and, and, and you get honored, it's it's special and it brings back all the special memories. Well, five knee surgeries, Shane, one back surgery, one shoulder surgery. You got, you got a cast on your wrist right now. It didn't come from baseball, but... Uh, Brent Strom, the Astros' current major league pitching coach, said that you're his favorite pitcher he's ever coached because of your work ethic and your ability to take something he told you and to turn your career around. Uh, it, it's one of the happiest moments he's had as a coach. And only the only piece of baseball memorabilia he has in his office is a picture of you and him in his office. Uh, it, it's meant a lot to him. So it's a credit to you and your parents and your family and all that. But uh, it's great having you in here. Hopefully you, you'll be around the Astros a lot more since you've moved back to Texas again. But uh, thanks so much for joining us on the show tonight. Oh, thanks for having me. It's awesome, especially here at Pluckers. Man, what an awesome place. Really Thank is. you so much. All right. Well, it, it's exciting times right now. Obviously, the Astros will start their first games on, on March 20 or February 28th. Uh, next Pluckers is going to be February 22nd. That's next Wednesday. It's in West Palm Beach. Myself and Robert Ford will both be hosting that show. So we'll be at... Duffy's, and that Duffy's is on uh, Clematis Street. It's Duffy's Sports Grill in West Palm Beach. That'll be February 22nd. I want to thank Matt Boltz, our, our producer engineer. Our, our Jason C. is also helping us with the studio engineer. Lauren Blackwell, Danny Ferris, thanks a lot for joining us. Last time from Pluckers Wing Bar, brought to you by Carbuck Brewing Company. Thanks so much for everything you've done. We'll see you out in West Palm Beach next week.